Another Toronto middle school now investigating an alleged anti-Semitic incident in which students reportedly performed the Nazi salute in front of class. For weeks now, we've been reporting here at the CJN on a wave of anti-Semitic incidents at public schools across Toronto. Mostly they involve Nazi salutes and swastikas and graffiti, and the targets have been both students and teachers. Three new incidents happened late last week, all on the same night, and police have video of a suspect. Earlier this year, students made Nazi salutes at two separate schools in Toronto, and at a third school, a teacher was suspended for comparing vaccine passports to Nazi-era yellow stars. Now, even the mainstream media has been paying attention, and students, parents, Jewish groups, and school board officials are wondering what is going on. Is it ignorance or something more sinister? Professor Barbara Perry is at Ontario Tech in Oshawa, where she studies right-wing extremism. She calls what's happening now a contagion that's circulating in the ether, and she does believe it's part of a wider emergency. The anti-Semitic acts are occurring uh, more frequently, as are anti-Black incidents, as are anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant. So it's part of a, a package of hate that is, it really is, um, I think, becoming much more visible uh, and much more, I won't say acceptable, but it seems like kids think uh, it's acceptable and it's legitimate to express themselves. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, March the 7th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. As more and more of these cases of either mischief or possibly hate crimes are surfacing, they're coming even as the Toronto District School Board is actually throwing resources at the problem as we speak. They're bringing in Jewish experts to train teachers on what Jewish culture is and what anti-Semitism is. They're calling in Holocaust educators to schools that have been involved with these recent incidents. And by the way... The board has just released a new report on hatred and racism incidents so far this school year. Students and staff are the ones who've been reporting these cases. And so far, there were over 1,000 incidents reported. And that is mostly against black students and staff. 54% of them were against black students and staff. Next were LGBTQ complaints, 21%. And when it came to incidents involving Jews, that was only 6% of the complaints, so 60 incidents out of 1,000. Coming up, Professor Barbara Perry will be here to explain why we should be worried about the 300 right-wing extremist groups operating in Canada that she tracks. She says they're making Nazi memes and hate symbols commonplace and enticing young people into their social networks. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Talia Friedhoff in Ottawa, Ontario. And this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. The province of British Columbia awarded its highest honour to two prominent Jewish residents in an in-person ceremony at the provincial legislature in Victoria. Francis Belsberg and Dr. Mel Krajden received their Order of BC medals from the Premier and BC's Lieutenant Governor on Thursday. Belsberg founded the Dystonia Medical Research Foundation to advance research and awareness and support patients affected by the disease. Dr. Krajden is an infectious disease expert. He runs the BC Centre for Disease Control's public health lab. Thanks to his research team, BC was able to develop rapid tests for COVID weeks before anywhere else in Canada 
allowing the province to start testing people back in January of 2020. And by the way, he is my brother-in-law and we are super, super proud of him. <music> Professor Barbara Perry joins me now from Oshawa. Is this a challenge that some students are doing like on the TikTok, like they used to do with, you know, the Harlem Shake or what have you, or what, what, is, what is happening as far as you, you can tell? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's anything necessarily orchestrated like that, but I think it's it's sort of emerging organically uh, and it's almost a, a contagion. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not just kids passing it back and forth amongst themselves from school to school, but it's something that is circulating in the ether. Uh, it's all around them. The kids, you know, especially, on, you know, during COVID, they've been online so much and uh, no doubt exposed to this sort of imagery, whether it's on TikTok or you know, Instagram or, or whatever. Uh, we're just seeing more of that sort of very explicit uh, anti-Semitism uh, across the board online. So this is what they're, they're being exposed to. And they think that this is, um, and it's hard to say, I mean, some of them think, you know, this is a great joke. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. It's going to get a rise. It's going to get people's attention. Um, but, and, and some really don't understand uh, the significance of it. And others do and are, are acting, you know, out of, out of malice and, uh, and with intention to hurt, to harm, to send a message uh, to other students. So I think, you know, we can't sort of, I don't think we can generalize that it's all coming from the same place uh, emotionally uh, or cognitively. Um, but I think we can generalize and say that it is coming from a broader exposure uh, in the environment on social media, but also, you know, this week, as we've seen with the convoy, uh, well, this week, this month, uh, let's say, um, you know, that the swastika was very much in evidence there. So they're also seeing it in, uh, you know, in the mainstream, in the uh, the mainstream media as well, as this is being uh, posted. And, you know, it's a, it's a way to stand up for yourself and stand up for your rights as the message uh, I think that they're getting from that. Right. And I am interviewed a, a student who this happened to a couple of weeks ago uh, on our show, one of the students at the center of one of these incidents. Um, and the, the response at first was, they're just doing tomfoolery or they're just being stupid when it comes to building a swastika out of like, you know, geometry blocks. Um, but you know, then the other, the, the Heil Hitler and the, the actually salute is a different sort of kettle of fish. I don't know that there is a, a distinction. Uh, and again, it, I think it varies by from case to case. Uh, you know, we're also seeing that uh, that Hitler salute uh, amongst, you know, the folks like the Proud Boys, uh, you know, not just before they were designated as a terrorist entity. I mean, they're still active under a, under a different name. So, you know, we're, we're seeing this. Uh, we've seen it at a lot of campuses uh, in the U.S. I think, uh, you know, sort of less so in the Canadian context, but uh, we've seen a lot of that sort of very, in this case, very purposeful uh, and purposive use of the uh, the Hitler salute um, to actually rally individuals. I mean, it's both a recruitment tool, right, to bring people uh, into the us crowd, um, but also intended to be a signal to the Jewish students on campus, for example, and faculty and staff, uh, for that matter, as well. Uh, and I think it's connected to, you know, the broader anti-Semitism that is, uh, is sort of, uh, again, in the air. Uh, it's connected, I think, very much to the, the, the narratives around, um, you know, the Great Replacement, 
and so because it's been used so visibly on social media, but also again um, amplified through uh, through traditional media, um, you know this is this is something that other other youth are picking up on uh, as a, a means of intimidation uh, i think uh, and uh, a means of instilling fear and and superiority i mean that's what what it's about right is uh, religious or a racial superiority how does this if at all lead to further radicalization i mean when they share a meme that has you know the frog or whatever or one of these flags yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily lead them further down the, the rabbit hole. And, and we should say right off at the get-go um, that there is no one trajectory for people being radicalized. Um, and it depends on how they've come to these signs as well and how engaged they are in that social media platform. Uh, are they, is it actually interactive? So one of the places that we're seeing this happen is in the gaming environment, for example. Uh, and and some, I mean, some of the games themselves are just absolutely horrific. They're, you know, they're anti-Semitic and they're Islamophobic and they're misogynistic uh, and they're violent. Um, but then, you know, it's sort of the, the conversations or the chat rooms that are associated with the games where the problems really emerge because then they're sort of, you know, lured into those. Oh, well, you know, I see that you were really aiming for all of the black people in that game. Um, yeah. And, and let's let's have a conversation about that. So there's this grooming process, uh, especially for youth that, that goes on in those sorts of locations. Now, some kids have, you know, resiliency uh, to that and, and recognize it for what it is. But I think a lot don't. And it's not till they're quite far down that rabbit hole uh, that they realize, you know, what's happening, what they're being introduced to. Um, but, you know, that's one of the places where we let kids down. We, you know, we haven't really educated youth either about, you know, what that process uh, looks like and, and what those narratives are that they need to be watching for. Uh, you know, what the code words are, that sort of thing. So I think there's a real need for that sort of, um, we're, I mean, we're actually working with John Howard Society uh, of Ottawa right now and Boys and Girls Club and um, Yorktown Family Services in Toronto and a couple of police services to build a safe gaming curriculum uh, as well as a, uh, a sort of anti, anti-fascist uh, gaming platform uh, as well. So I think these are the sorts of skills that we need to help uh, our kids to develop uh, is that capacity. In some of your writings, you've said that um, in, in your book as well uh, with Ryan, uh, that uh, Scrivens, that we need a multifaceted approach uh, is needed to, to educate people about the right wing threats. And it's not just suspend them and kick them out of school. It seems that everything is being done. There's Holocaust Education Week. There's anti-racism training. I mean, there's literally uh, today we're talking and it's pink shirt day, right? Or coming up to anti-bullying. It's all there. So why in Toronto for specifically, but also why across Canada and other schools are we still seeing this stuff? Well, I guess, I mean, some of it's probably backlash and some of it's, you know, this, especially with kids, right? This, uh, this attempt to look like a rebel, uh, right? By pushing back against uh, that sort of thing. Um, but I think some of it is also, so we're teaching them the, the facts, right? We're teaching them, you know, uh, history. We're teaching them about uh, different communities and, you know, what their, what their beliefs 
beliefs or practices or culture is, but are we teaching those, I think, the sort of uh, emotional, uh, the EQ uh, rather than the IQ, right? Are we teaching them the emotional responses, the empathy and, and that sort of piece together? I mean, you know, I think that there's often, you know, there's courses uh, or not courses maybe, um, but, you know, sessions Mod- or modules, modules yeah, on, uh, you know, sort of a, a different emotional um, skills, um, sometimes not, right? Sometimes that's, you know, it's just assumed that we all have those capacities. Um, and, and then we're teaching, you know, the history, uh, the history of the Holocaust, uh, for example, but are we necessarily putting those together? I think some are, but I think for the most part, not. These are very distinct. So, um, you know, what, what, is, uh, what is that about? And I think in terms of this particular issue of, you know, radicalization into, you know, broader far-right ideologies, uh, I don't think we're doing a good job on, on that at all. I mean, you know, even the fact, I, and, and I think, you know, again, put that in the broader, the broader context, this, this denial that we have at the public level about the risk associated with the far right, the denial that the convoy, for example, had anything to do with the far right. Um, you know, that I think sends a message to youth that, you know, well, this is all legitimate. You know, all of the, all of the expressions, all of those flags that we saw there, all of those signs, they're legitimate. They're okay. Uh, and uh, so, you know, our, I think our, our public leaders and, uh, you know, our, our, our politicians have a lot to answer to uh, for that as well. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Dan Brotman of Windsor, Ontario, where he's executive director of the Jewish Federation. And we'll end the episode with this clip from Sunday's protest rally outside the Russian consulate in Toronto, where Jewish groups came to show their solidarity with the Ukrainian people. Here is Michael Levitt, the president of the Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center's Canadian office. As the head of an organization that fights for human rights every day, I've been shaken to the core by Putin's atrocities over the past two weeks. I'm outraged he has perversely tried to justify the unjustifiable, saying he was, quote, denazifying, unquote, Ukraine. His claims of denazifying a Ukraine led and inspired by a Jewish president who lost families to the Nazis during the Holocaust are deranged and absurd. 